Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pearson Scoop ESA FinTech podcast. My name is Sid, and I'm currently a second-year MBA student at ESA Business School. Today, I'm excited to have Kawe Oliveira, who is currently a senior manager in the engineering and digital products team at Itaú Unibanco in Brazil. Itaú is a Brazilian financial services company headquartered in São Paulo, Brazil, and is the largest banking institution in Brazil. It has over 56 million customers, 97,000 employees, and is present in over 18 countries. The services it offers ranges from being a full-service bank, corporate and investment banking, asset management, and private banking. In today's conversation with Kawe, I go over his pre-MBA journey, his vision for the fintech club when he was the president, his current role at Itau, and going deeper into what the role of challenger banks is, the strategic initiatives that Itau is taking, and finally, a few tips for the first years and second years at ESA. I really had a lot of fun in having this conversation with Kawe and got to glean a lot of lessons from it. I hope that's the same for everyone else and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Kawe, uh, thank you so much for joining the ESA FinTech podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, where are you exactly right now? Hey, CG, thank you for having me here. It's, my, it's a pleasure to be here. I, as you know, I'm from Brazil, so I'm back after the MBA. I'm in Sao Paulo right now. Uh, great day today. A uh, little bit of fog in front of me. Right. Uh, 8 a.m. in the morning. So I, I wish I was in Barcelona now, probably yeah. in the end of the summer, uh, right. enjoying the, the city, enjoying the, the ESA community. Happy to be here. Absolutely. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I think you and I, we sort of like my first memory of the FinTech Club was really having a conversation with you and, and we'll go into that area. But maybe if we can start off, uh, maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your journey pre-MBA. For sure. Uh, I'm from Brazil, as I, as I mentioned. Uh, I started my MBA journey around 2017. Uh, I was working for Itaú one of the biggest bank in the South Hemisphere, the biggest one in Brazil and South America. And I decided to change my career a little bit. I started my life as a software engineer uh, 14 years ago. And at some point I realized that I needed a little bit of more business knowledge and open my mind to, to do better, to do bigger things. So in 2017, I decided to pursue the MBA journey. And it took me a while to get ready to go to, to the MBA. But finally, in 2019, I got accepted to ESE. Right. And I started at ESE my first year in 2019. Perfect, perfect. And that's really good to hear. Maybe from a perspective of how you were deciding in terms of your MBA schools, especially considering your professional journey and your post-MBA goals, how, what was your process in terms of when you were deciding on what school to join and, and how you were thinking about the geography? Well, for me, Spain was always a top choice because my first international experience back in 2010 was going to Madrid 
I was working to Santander at that time and I had the chance to spend five months working in Madrid. I never left Brazil before, so my the first country I, I met outside Brazil was Spain, so I got passionate about the country. As you probably know when you are living in Spain, why? Because of the food, the weather, the people, and you are close to everywhere in Europe. So Europe was like top choice for me. For, but actually, I applied for some schools in, in the U.S. And in the end, I had to decide between two, one in the U.S., in Massachusetts, and another in Barcelona. The game changer for me was the time duration of the MBA because I, I was accepted for a program of one year in MIT and two years in Barcelona. And everybody that advised me, advised me to take the two years program that would be better and a life changer. So I got the, the advice and I don't regret anything. I loved my experience at Yes. I loved being in Barcelona and living Europe again in Spain, despite all the challenges, because as you know, I started my MBA in 2019 and I finished this year to 2021. So between years, I have COVID. And, and all the pandemic uh, situation, but no regrets. It was amazing. Right. No, that's, I must say, a fantastic choice, even though I might be biased because we were here together at least last year. So, no, absolutely. So, maybe going into the MBA journey now, uh, started off in 2019. Obviously, we had no aspect of understanding of the COVID uh, and so on. But going into the MBA program in itself, what was your perspective? Uh, if you can break it down more so from a personal, professional, and then obviously, as we've experienced from a fintech club perspective. Sure. When I started the MBA in 2019, I was really driven by going back to my company. I went to the MBA sponsored by Toe. So I decided to pursue the, the path that would help me go back to my company better and give back for this, this back they made me, sponsoring me to, to go abroad to study. So the first thing I did, I met Eduardo Vasconcelos in Barcelona. Uh, we knew each other a little bit before uh, as we both was working for Itaú some years ago, and the first day in in Barcelona, a few days before going to campus, I texted him and I said, I'm going to join the FinTech club, I'm going to help you, and, and I wish we can work together. So we started working together, as you did from day one, before all the, the ceremonies of the clubs, before knowing everyone on campus, before knowing exactly what a club does. So for me, it was the first thing, thinking about the extra classes activities. Uh, I was a little bit afraid about the, the participation classes. I was not that confident about my, my English and how to participate with so many smart people in classes to me. So it took me like one month to start participating on class during the first year. After that, uh, was a little bit better and as you know we get to know each other better and we get to trust each other better the professors are amazing the classes are really good so this environment in 
they encourage you to do more and to give more to your to your classmates to your to your section to your class so my academy was like an exponential growth i started a little bit slow and then it was really good in the end i was presenting to everyone i was in front of many people talking about different stuff and organizing conference working with the fintech club the woman in business club the dny committee so the academics are they give you the chance to work and whenever whatever you want whenever you want so you have to be the one who who create the boundaries because there is job to 24 hours if you want and finally personally uh, I went to the MBA with my wife. We were together for 10 years at that time. And we spent the whole MBA together in Barcelona. I'm passionate about motorcycles. So one of the first things I did was buying a motorcycle in Barcelona to commute to school, to travel in the weekends. Uh, hopefully I was wishing to travel Europe at some point and doing a continent trip around seven, 8,000 kilometers. But unfortunately, I couldn't because of COVID. But I did a lot of good stuff. I traveled to many countries. I, I met a new place in Spain, Italy, France, Sweden. I went to Egypt. I get to know Africa. I, I got to know Eastern Europe. So one of the big things for me in the MBA life is how you get exposure to people from everywhere. So I traveled also to many places that I've never been there, just getting to know people. So just getting to know people from different places and get to know them better and talking to them. For me, these three things, the academics that improve along the journey. So you have to trust the process. And the extracurricular activities for me, getting more exposure to the FinTech Club, the Women in Business Club and the Diversity and Inclusion Committee was the three most important things that I did. And finally, how I changed it personally, because the people I met was the, the life changer of the MBA journey. No, that's that's absolutely fantastic. And I think Kawit, this is something that we've discussed. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because I do remember you highlighting this to me. And I think it, it goes without saying, I think one of the first conversations I had on campus was with you uh, because of my interest in the FinTech Club. And I think you highlighted that. Uh, it was very early into when I arrived over here. And I think it goes without saying, I think that was probably the experience for a lot of people <laughs> because you were sort of the go-to person within the FinTech Club and then you would lead us to sort of different people. But maybe if we could move on in that particular direction uh, to let everyone know you were the president of the FinTech Club uh, last year. So looking at the FinTech Club and, and where you started off uh, and, and where we ended up, which was a massive change, there were a lot of initiatives that you took. Uh, it'd be fantastic to hear your thought process on what your vision was for the club um, and what you had set out to accomplish and, and how that turned out to be. Sure. Uh, I think I was really looking to work with the people I worked with. In my first year, Eduardo was really engaged and a leader for the FinTech club that was inspiring me and everyone else in the club. So 
we are a young club still. So I think we have like six presidents right now. So comparing to the other clubs, we should not compare ourselves to the consulting club, to the finance club. We should think about our where we started the year and where we want to be at the end of that year. And if we look back every year, we are growing exponentially. So for me, I'm really proud of, to see what I did as the president, president of the FinTech club, but I'm also proud to see what Eduardo did and what Miguel did before and what Camila is doing now, because it's a legacy that no one, it's not about one of ourselves. It's about what everyone does and what we do together and how things connect. And at some point in life, we're going to look back and see the FinTech club as big as other clubs and know that we we touched the club at some point and we impacted people's life. So for me, my, my vision when I started the, the MBA was not to become the president. Uh, it was not in my plan to, to start working with the club, working a lot with Sergio, Andre, Andy, and we together, we, we were four. Uh, I consider us four as the, the presidents of the club. Uh, we worked really in collaboration and I was just the the one in charge to, to hold the, the position. And that's an important thing because it came with a lot of responsibility, but we were a team that we selected more people to collaborate with us. So it was a team of 20 plus people uh, working together and every day more people working in something. First years arriving on campus and joining us to, to help. And now at the end, we live in the club and letting the club to you. So you starting again to recruiting new first years. And it's like a, a virtual cycle that we, we go, we work, we put effort in something and we inspire people and people see that vision. They relate to the vision. They do small things and we build block on top of blocks to someday, somehow we have like a, a, a big building. Personally, my vision for the club was helping the club to grow and get more exposure to tech companies. We were much more exposed to finance companies than to tech companies. And I had this, this goal, this feeling that we could bring Yesi to, to a point that we also have tech people here. Yeah, we, we can put tech people in your companies. If you are FinTech, we are not providing you only marketing and sales people. We are providing you people with tech mindset, product mindset. We know where to go. We want to create a product vision. Uh, we want to, we have this opportunity to, to build blocks around uh, business, everything we learn on the MBA, connected to our previous background and build a bridge that is tech and digital driven and we can go forward on that and i truly believe that's the future of the the, the companies the companies that will survive are digital and are tech no matter what you do no matter if you have factories no matter if you work from home if you have a website if you have to deliver uh, cars uh, you have to be tech and you have to be digital 
and my goal was to do that to provide top talent to top companies on the fintech era with digital and tech mindset well absolutely i couldn't agree more and i think you and i actually talked about this and this reminds me especially from the tech angle something that uh, mark and recent and then recent horowitz uh, venture capital firm says software is eating the world and then we had you know uh, almost almost a decade later now we have angela strange who said you know fintech every company is going to be a fintech company and i think that's looking at as you might know looking at you know the first half of 2021 we've seen sort of fintech as an industry take the most amount of funding uh, which makes me so optimistic about like the number of people who are finding themselves interested in this area and as you said it's not really just finance it's really encompasses a lot of different careers you know there's a lot of tech heavy product management finance sales marketing uh, and and that's the hope right i think that's the vision within the club itself is really let's build off of i think what you did and now we have the opportunity as people learn more to be able to go and also attract other people from other areas and show them the opportunities that lie within here so no absolutely agree with you uh, maybe as we move on uh, moving on to the present itself uh, you highlighted now the you're back in sao paulo you're back with itau uh, could you talk uh, maybe let's start off with talking a little bit about itau first and then what your current role is at the company nice uh, itau is the biggest bank in brazil the biggest bank in south america and one of the top banks in the south hemisphere uh, we have more than 95000 employees and we have more than 55 million unique customers in the country we are leader in market share in many products and we have from investment banking asset management all financial services until digital bank credit loans many products we are full service during many years it was a company that grew with many merge and acquisitions so we have a, a lot of legacy inside not only technology legacy but people legacy and process legacy so we were created by this merge and acquisition currently i'm working with credit cards and digital payments i'm a senior software engineer here doing systems to people that need digital payment solutions or credit cards for the retail market so my role is to provide solutions to partners of the bank and i have customers that are big companies big retail companies fmcg companies and i have also the customers of these companies that they hold the credit cards and they hold our digital payment solutions because they can do they can have the credit card going to a store and buying a television and they have the credit card at that point because they use the credit card to buy the TV or they use our solutions to pay something else in the e-commerce or in a supermarket and on the background my team and myself we are working to provide the best solutions for them in terms of payments and credit cards i have many peers working on the same Uh, area because we can be really focused on what a customer need and for me that's really good transformation that i saw when i got back to to the to the to the country and to the company after two years abroad 
because I saw a huge transformation in Itaú. We are even more a tech company right now. We started our life, we have almost 100 years of history, but we are going in a direction that to become a tech company. And that's what, what brought me back. I had the opportunity to work with Amazon during my summer internship. And working with a tech company is something that inspires you. And what inspired me more was to go back to a company that wished to become a tech company and how I can help on on this path, on this digital transformation. So my main role here is to do that. I mentioned about digital and credit cards, but my my vision and my goal, my personal goal within the company is to be part of this digital transformation to help driven people on the right direction in terms of the tech mindset, the agile mindset, and all the things that I truly believe that will bring us to a to become a tech company and game and change the game and play another league is for me is about stop fighting about uh, against other banks, but at this school Santander and all big banks and start being ready to to compete with Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and all these tech companies that are gonna start provide many and many financial services along the, the next year. So I wish to be at Itaú, helping the company to be ready for these challenges that are, for me, much more tough than the ones that we have now because they are already the, the biggest bank. So being on top of the, the league is something that's good. But you need to be ready to the next chapter because we don't know from where comes the, the challenges. Right. No, absolutely. I, I could go so many ways. I think you had so much packed into that. Uh, but it, it provides to a certain extent a fantastic segue because you also mentioned the tech companies, the big American tech companies, you know, and, and we're seeing but on an everyday basis, we're seeing embedded finance and, and they're providing financial services products or, you know, it's an easy way for them to embed because they have sort of the network effect and so on. Uh, but one of the areas that I do want to tackle is Brazil itself. And, and you've seen, and we've talked about this, but, you know, we have a lot of these new neo banks. I, I think everyone knows about new bank. We have C6, we have Inter, you know, looking at these neo banks from your perception, as, especially as you've been at Itau, what is it that you believe that really differentiates these companies and why have they been able to find uh, success in Brazil and they're expanding all across Latin America? I think the main reason for the success of these companies are how they put customers on the center of their decision and, their, and how they have a model to support customers and offer customer services that are really people-driven. Uh, during many years, big companies like Itaú and others in Brazil, we put the company and the process on top of people. So things couldn't be different from the way that we designed. These companies, Nubank started with that and C6 are following the same way. Inter are going the same direction. They are really flexible to offer the best solution for customers. And there is a a little piece of trust that they give for customers on the beginning of their relationship that sometimes big companies that have legacy don't do that. So we 
first believe that someone gonna be trustful and then you go in that direction and if there is a fraud or if there is a problem we correct and we change the process and we don't do that again but we don't start from the point that you cannot trust someone so i think the customer relationship and the trust they put for the the, the first relation even being a, a young relation is the key component for this conference to to succeed and to change the market the way they are changing and i think that's amazing because they are changing the way the competition also does. So everyone is, every company, every financial service company, every bank, not only in Brazil, but also in the world, they are changing that direction because their competitors are gaining market share and they are gaining customers through, because of this, because of the, the way they relate to the customer, because they, how they support the customers. So they are helping the industry change and I think that's a good change because it's something that is better for for us as employees, for the companies, because we get better results and also for the customers. Well, absolutely. And I think you raised a fantastic point around just the obsessiveness around the customer satisfaction and, and really everything revolving around that. And I think, uh, I think you probably heard, like, there's always this perception that companies in developing nations or all of, uh, you know, all that's going over there usually tend to emulate what happens in US or Europe. But I think, I think what I've come to realize is I think looking especially at Nubank and a lot of these um, uh, major neobanks, it's the other way around now. Given the customer focus uh, within these companies, the other companies within the developed nations are starting to see how to necessarily work. And I think this is where the digital transformation also plays into effect um, uh, and so on. So maybe picking up on that, I think you talked about how it's also affecting the competition and, and I suppose it out to a certain extent. It would be interesting to hear from you, from your perspective, what changes you've seen. I know you've highlighted that Itau in itself has become more of a tech company. The focus has been more towards customers, but how, how confident do you feel from a strategic viewpoint in the initiatives that the company is taking uh, in terms of dealing with uh, the competitors in Brazil and 18 other countries that they're pre present in? I think the, the thing that makes me more confident about the, the direction that we're taking is because of the, the, the leadership. So we follow a leadership that is humble enough to tell everyone that we need to change, to realize that the way we made business in the past are not the way we're going to do business in the future. So first, recognizing that we need to change, recognizing that was a good legacy, that we did good in the past, that we are doing good in the present, but to do good in the future, we need to change and we need to do better. So having a leadership that is humble enough to not take the first position leadership being leader everywhere as granted is something that inspires you to to really change so if they are changing if everyone is saying they need to change this go down and this penetrate in the in the organization in a way that i think that there is an important role of middle management that where i am to, to help translate this to the to all the employees in the company and the middle managers have to to be aware of the top executives are saying and how we translate this to our teams so we can do 
tactically, what strategically they are they are putting as a vision for, for us. So first, leadership. And second, uh, I would say the, the tech mindset, as you mentioned, because when I left Itaú only two years ago, we were around 8,000 employees in technology. And I got back only two years after, three months ago, and we are already 13,000 employees working in technology. Uh, we bought a company in, in these two years. Uh, we are hiring a lot. I have every day I'm interviewing people, every day I'm recruiting, every day I'm hiring new people, and every day I need to do this again and again and again. So this mindset, putting people working with technology and doing the right things, because we have a leadership that inspires us to go in the right direction, is something that, that I'm confident enough to put my my post-MBA career and put all my bets in this company right now. That, and, and that leads me to a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you, especially as you highlighted, that you're part of the middle management and you've done your MBA. How necessarily, as you're looking uh, from a perspective of hiring, how do you think about your own leadership skills? What, what are sort of the necessary qualities that you try to bring out every day uh, as far as your team is concerned? And from a hiring perspective, what are the qualities that you're looking for in the candidates? That's a, a really good question, Sid. And I think it probably changes every day right now because we are in a so fast environment in terms of recruiting and hiring people in, in technology that I will say right now, my main role as a leader is trying to inspire my team to do things that I probably would be able to do myself so is being a translator uh the mba helped me a lot to understand what is about uh, strategy what top executives think what top executives want to do i get more exposure to top executives in the bank so being able to listen to them to understand and to translate the right way for my team and to my peers and to everyone around me, I think leadership is not about being someone's boss. It's about influencing and inspiring people and translating vision. The CEO of the bank has a vision because he, he derived this vision from the, the board and from, the, and from all the, the partners in what they say, he derives his vision from the, the drivers he gets. And the top executives will derive their vision from the CEO. And somehow it will arrive to me that I will have to get the drivers from my, my leaders and derive to my teams and to my peers and to people that I can influence in a way that we can work together and, and collaborate and to, to get to go to somewhere even if we don't know how to do yet, uh, we have to first believe and to create this environment where we trust each other. And even if we disagree, we have to commit and we have to go in some direction and try to do something better. So for me, the, the main role of leaders is to recognize where we are, what we can do 
and always try to do something more and something that is not only about the job description. Translating this to recruiting and hiring is how we create a team that can do whatever you want and whatever you need without having to have you everywhere every time. So creating diverse teams for me is really important. As I mentioned before, I worked a lot with the Women in Business Club and also with the Diversity and Inclusion Committee at YESE because going to the MBA, that was things really important for me as a leader before and even more now. I, I'm working in a country that we have a huge gap from gender gap, racial gap, socioeconomical backgrounds gap. As a leader, recruiting and hiring, we have uh, the opportunity to help filling these gaps. If we don't think about our bias, we only perpetuate all the problems that we have in the country. So we have to, to have some structure, some process and help. We need to help each other as managers to recruit rights, to, to give a tip for someone that, oh, are you thinking about women in the final for this process? Do you have enough black, white people in the final of, for this one? Do we have enough people for software developer in Brazil? No, we don't. So we also have to be creative and start recruiting people that don't know yet what we want. So I'm recruiting people now. I'm investing now in people that we will start giving back to the bank in two years because we are recruiting them at college, before college paying for them to study. So after one or two years, they will be able to start being proficient software developers. So in two years, they're going to be junior, senior software engineers that will put lines of codes in production that will become products for the bank. But we need to do something now because we're going to have this demand on the future. And if we don't do this now, we're going to pay a lot for someone that is not that good in the future. So formation, education, inspiration, and influence for me are the main things that we need to do as managers, as leaders. That was that was absolutely fantastic. Kawe. Thank you so much for that. And especially, I think you highlighted not necessarily dictating to people what they need to do, but being more of a person who inspires and influences them. And I think that especially the aspect of like, okay, let's focus on the educational aspect of it. Let's make sure we're training our people and especially in this ever-changing world. And then also the aspect of like killing the bias because having that awareness in itself is, is a massive thing. Um, as we come to a close, Kawe, I'd like to ask maybe a few, uh, two or three questions, final questions. I think one, maybe more of a fun question, but what trend are you most excited about within the FinTech industry, whether it's in Brazil or maybe from a global perspective? Uh, I can say two about that. Sure. In, in Brazil, I think the the open banking regulation is going to be game changer. We are importing a lot of the open banking regulation from Europe, so the regulatory environment are are now open for new players. So I, I truly believe that we have two, three times the, the number of companies working in the fintech area in the 
next five years. A lot of merge, a lot of acquisitions, a lot of new products. So I'm really excited about what this regulatory environment will make to, to Brazil. We are in a country that is so close in terms of financial institutions. Like, like we have five big banks and we have a lot of small companies. I do believe that this will change a little bit, but will also be still concentrated because many companies will born, they will grow, and they will be bought by one of the big players. But, I, but I'm excited about that. But on the other hand, there is a thing that I'm seeing a lot in, in Europe, for instance, or sometimes in the US, that's the buy now, pay later trend. And for us in Brazil, it's something that is so old school. Uh, we do this so often from, because we don't, we are used to buy things that we don't have enough money right now, but we are seeing the world, the, the developed world go in that direction. So man, we have good solutions for that. If you want to, to talk about my now pay later, different solutions, talk to a Brazilian. They will tell you many different ways to, to do that. So it's interesting how the the world changed and how the world turns in terms of, of this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially having worked uh, in a, uh, at a, one of the leading BNPL firms in the Middle East, I think it'd be fantastic to have that conversation. And I suppose that is a separate podcast of its own in terms of learning the lessons, uh, especially in Latin America on an overall basis. Uh, maybe uh, another question, and this might go for the first years that are coming in, uh, and even the second, any tips or any suggestions or any recommendations for the class? Uh, I think my main recommendation for first years is trust the process. It's something that you're going to hear a lot at ESA, but really works. And the process goes beyond what the school does for you. And that's what the club can provide you, what your second years can help you. So brief, the, the first year is really hard to to look what you have to do, have many, many things to do. So take a breath, look around, decide and go focus on where you want to go and trust the process. You're going to find your internship. Some, sometime, somehow, some way, you're going to find your, the right internship for you. So you don't need to, to believe that you can't because you can. You already did the, the hardest part that is going to the MBA. For the second years, enjoy, enjoy Barcelona, enjoy the second year, take the best courses, uh, get closer to the best professors and talk to each other because only three months after the MBA, you're going to see that you miss a lot your friends and you, you miss a lot the people that were really close to you and you can't go to a place that you're going to find most of them and and start converse, talking about anything. It's hard to conciliate time zones right now. It's people are around the globe and it's really, really hard to get everyone together in a Zoom call, even that we are now more proficient on that. So enjoy your friends, enjoy the campus, enjoy Barcelona and enjoy the MBA because the second year is the best year of your life. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Kawi, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I'd like to end with a 
closing question, which is, you know, an instance or a situation in your life that stands out where someone has taken a chance or invested in you? Man, that's the toughest question that you led to the end because <laughs> I, I truly believe that I'm here because many people did this for me. I, so I have to pick one to, to explore, but there is many, many times in your career that you are at some point and someone stands out for you and also in your personal life. So I, I think the most important one that I realized here is the, when I was applying to the MBA, I was in a tough situation working a lot at Itaú and I couldn't prepare that much for GMAT, everything. So many people had to trust me that I would be able to get and to, to achieve what was enough for, for applying to MBA. And people did this for me in the bank. They sponsored me. Paula did this for me with the admissions team at YESE, and they trusted me. My wife did this for me at home, and she trusted me. So during an important part of my life, I had different people trusting that I would be able to do something that at some point myself wasn't able to see that I would get. So I will not pick one. I will pick these three situations that different times that people stand out and support me. And with, without their support, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be the president of the FinTech club. And I wouldn't be happy to talk to you about all of this today. So uh, that's my two cents. No, absolutely. And I think... From my perspective, I think that I've been the beneficiary of having you around, uh, especially in the first year. But no, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day, Kawe, um, and joining me on the ESF Fintech podcast. Um, I hope people really get to enjoy this conversation and get to hear your insights, uh, especially uh, things we talked about from a leadership perspective and the competition and all the things that Itao is doing, whether it's digital transformation and becoming more of a tech company. But uh, thank you. I really hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and I look forward to seeing the journey at the top. Thank you, Sid. Thank you. And it's really good to see the FinTech podcast going on because that's a good example of how leaders shouldn't tell people, smart people, what to do. Because if someone asked me uh, when I was the FinTech president, if we should start a podcast, I would say no. But we were working with really smart guys that became the founders of the FinTech podcast and the voice of the podcast. And my role at that point was only enabling them to, to do that and helping whenever I, I could. So I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of the FinTech club. I'm proud to see you, to see Camila, what you are doing, all the leadership team. I miss you a lot. I miss the, the FinTech club. And I hope you guys are starting only the second year now. And one year from now, we can talk again. And you say me that all the numbers that you achieved during this journey uh, are going to be here cheering for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much once again, Kawe. Thank you, Sidi. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more content like this by subscribing to the ESA Fintech Club page on LinkedIn and Instagram. 
If you have any questions or suggestions, please leave a comment or message us. Thank you for joining.